Support for Out There comes from Sawyer, offering effective, reliable products for outdoor protection. Sawyer makes water filtration systems, insect repellent, sunscreen, and first aid gear. It's all designed to protect your family while you spend time outside. One of their products that I particularly like is the Picaridin insect repellent. Where I live, the mosquitoes are fierce at the beginning of summer, so finding a good repellent is key to enjoying time outdoors. I've found that Picaridin is more effective than DEET, and it's better for you. It's modeled after a molecule that occurs naturally in pepper plants, and it's good for fending off mosquitoes, ticks, and biting flies. For 25% off your order at SawyerSafeTravel.com, enter the promo code OTPOD25 at checkout. That's SawyerSafeTravel.com, promo code OTPOD25. And we have a link to that on our website as well. Everybody says, oh, stay home, don't travel. Well, when you don't have a home to go to, you kind of have to travel. You can't satisfy both of those commands. Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. For many of us, living through a pandemic means spending a lot of time at home. But what if you live on the road? On this episode, we're going to talk with a woman named Amber McDaniel. Amber lives in a van full time, and she runs the website Always the Adventure. She and her partner are avid rock climbers, and living on the road means they get to enjoy America's most beautiful natural places all the time. They're both freelance writers, so working remotely is not a problem. But when the coronavirus hit and people started being asked to stay home, their nomadic lifestyle was turned on its head. Amber joins us today to talk about what the pandemic has been like for her and her partner. So what is, what does staying at home mean when you don't have a home, or at least you don't have a home in the traditional sense? Yeah, that's something that we've grappled with a lot. There's not a great definition. I mean, staying at home and, and truly not exposing ourselves to anybody in in the sense that everybody wants you to stay at home would be sitting in our windowless van for weeks on end, just like cramped up sitting in our bed. We don't have other seating besides the bed itself. And so it would just be this this really grim <laughs> outlook of, of that. Um, and for us as van lifers, staying home means, you know, the, the whole, oh, home is where you park it. And so we, we adopt any place that we go as home to us. But then it just became this clash of our definition of home with kind of society's definition of home. And just going to different communities and adopting them as home wasn't good enough during this. You know, um, people take one look at our Alaska license plates and they immediately don't want anything to do with us. <laughs> So what went through your mind when you first started hearing about COVID? 
At first, I mean, so the first whisperings when it was kind of just in, in China, you know, I figured it would be kind of like the Ebola scare that we had, uh, I guess, four or five years ago now. I remember when that happened and everyone was kind of freaking out and then nothing ever really came of it. It never really made it to American shores. So I kind of just assumed that COVID was going to be the same thing. And then once you, I mean, once <laughs> once it was clear that it was going to be a big deal, what happened then? How did that change things for you? Uh, well, it definitely changed the sort of places that we went. Um, we didn't immediately give up life on the road because we you know, we didn't have anywhere to go. Everybody says, oh, stay home, don't travel. Well, when you don't have a home to go to, you kind of have to travel. You can't satisfy both of those commands. So we started to stay away from the communities that we would have normally inhabited as climbers, so places like Moab or uh, Joe's Valley or Bishop. Um, we know that those are super fragile communities um, and they couldn't handle an influx of medical cases if that were to happen. So we kind of changed our travel plans to really stay far away. We ended up in the West Desert of Utah, which is just about as far away from civilization as you can get. And we kind of thought that we would just hunker down and wait it out there. And a few weeks went by and we kind of realized that that wasn't going to happen. And so we needed um, a support network. We needed a plan B. We needed somewhere to go. Mm. It's interesting because it's sort of, I mean, it, it might seem like living in a van in the in the west desert of utah far away from anything might be sort of the ultimate form of of social distancing like that could be a really good place to be a good way to deal with this but i guess it's not so simple yeah and i i mean in some ways it it was really great i mean we could go for a little over a week at a time just completely out there by ourselves in the middle of you know salt flats and it really was. We made that joke a lot, like, oh, how's this for social distancing? Um, but even as van lifers um, with an off-grid setup, I and mean, we have solar panels, all that, but we still rely on public services every once in a while. You know, we, we have to go refill our waters. We have to get groceries even as much as we try to stock up. Um, we have to take showers. Um, and all of those are things that we rely on public institutions for that were just kind of disappearing before our eyes. Mm. Yeah, how did you normally um, handle things like showers and stuff? Were you going to to uh, like public rec centers or things like that? Yeah, kind of just whatever's available where we go. Um, we have a Planet Fitness membership, and so usually that's a pretty good solution. But they shut down pretty early on. Um, so after they shut down, then we could go to RV parks every once in a while. And a lot of times you can pay an RV park just individually for a shower. So we did that a couple times, um, but then... All of that started to close, especially in Utah, where they really cracked down on the camping, closing BLM land, closing campgrounds, all that. And so there pretty much wasn't really any option anymore. So when you were camped out in the desert in Utah and you eventually realized, oh, like this isn't going to be a matter of weeks. This is this is going to be a a long ordeal. How did it make you feel? It makes you feel really helpless. Um, definitely scared and alone, because a lot of times we we value that independence that van life gives us, and we really value just 
you know, how resilient it's made us. And, you know, if we have a problem, we pretty much have to solve it on our own. And then you had this and it just wasn't something that we could solve on our own. It was just, it's so much bigger than anybody. It's bigger than any country, bigger than any government. And so for two little people living in a van, um, we just kind of felt like everything about our lifestyle was just ripped out from under us. Um, so there was just this sense of feeling lost and not really knowing what we were doing anymore. Um, and that was challenging at first to deal with, but, and we're still dealing with it, but it got better at least once we said, you know, this is just how it is. This is how it is for everybody. We just need to move somewhere where we can be safe. And so coming to terms with the fact that we couldn't continue that lifestyle was kind of the first step to accepting it, but it was still scary. So what does your reality look like now? I mean, you have not been, you have not been, you're still living in your van, but you have not been traveling for for a while now. Yeah. So when we made the decision to come to Montana, um, I'm from here originally. So I have a bunch of family and friends here. Um, And so we knew that we would have a support network, somewhere to go if, if things really got bad, somebody to help us. So we came here and we're parked on a family friend's property. I'm still living in the van, but we can run an extension cord from the house to our van. So like when we first got here, it was still really cold and snowy. So we could run our little emergency electric space heater so we didn't freeze all the time. Uh, we can go into the house and shower when we need to. So it's, it's van life, but it's supported van life. Um, so most of our days are just hanging out there, doing chores around, cutting up wood. That's, that's a little bit more what our life looks like these days. After the break, we'll talk about the hostility that van lifers have sometimes been facing during the pandemic. And we'll reflect on how it feels to live on the fringes of society during such an uncertain time. But first, if you live on the road like Amber does, chances are you've spent a lot of time thinking about electricity. One way a lot of van lifers get their electricity is solar power. And one of our sponsors for this episode is a renewable energy company called Renogy. They make solar products for homes, businesses, RVs, and more. Renogy prides itself on supplying efficient solar products that are sold at the lowest price point possible. They're on a mission to provide tailor-made solutions that let you enjoy an active, outdoorsy lifestyle without having to worry about air pollution, noise pollution, or maintenance. Renogy's products range from portable solar panels that are only about as big as a cell phone to installations that can power your home or van or RV. For 10% off your order, go to renogy.com and enter the promo code OUTTHERE at checkout. That's R-E-N-O-G-Y dot com, promo code OUTTHERE. Renogy, big or small, solar for all. Support for OUTTHERE also comes from BetterHelp. For most of us, the coronavirus pandemic is taking an emotional toll. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe a loved one has gotten sick. Maybe you're doing all right on a concrete level, but you're struggling psychologically. 
being cooped up with your family 24-7 can be tough. And the opposite is also true. For those of us who are on our own, the total lack of human contact can be profoundly isolating. Whatever your reality right now, BetterHelp is there to provide some solace. BetterHelp offers affordable online counseling. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect with them from anywhere in the world, either by phone or video chat or even text. They have specialists in a bunch of different areas, from stress and anxiety to trauma and anger. For 10% off your first month of counseling, go to betterhelp.com slash out there. That's betterhelp.com slash out there. And now back to our conversation with Amber McDaniel. What specific challenges and struggles have you been facing as a van lifer during this pandemic that those of us who live in houses might not be facing? Um, I think there's a lot. I mean, I think, I think everybody's going to have their different struggles. Um, one thing that I've been really fortunate for is that, you know, my financial situation is a lot more secure than people in houses. I, I recognize my privilege that I don't have to worry about my next rent payment because I don't have that. I mean, I still have a van payment, but so in some ways I realize that I'm better off, but then there are just other little things that, you know, I don't have just right there at the snap of fingers, like running water, uh, a place to go to the bathroom. Um, any of those things become this intentional act that we have to go out and get for ourselves, procure for ourselves. We have to go somewhere in public, whether it's even just a spigot at a gas station that's potable, um, to get our water, we have to dump our toilet. Um, so it's it's those little things that I think a lot of people just don't even pay second thought to. And again, part of that then leads into the judgment from people that live into houses about those of us that live on the road. They see us as being selfish and defying stay-at-home orders and being unnecessary travelers um, because they don't really ever consider all these little things that they have that we don't necessarily have. Well, I was going to ask what how, you know, what's been the reception uh or what was the reception initially when when you still were out on the road um but the coronavirus had already hit, you know, what did people in communities that you passed through how do they treat you? Um, not well. We, I, I very distinctly remember going into a grocery store and buying a case of beer. And I handed over my ID, which is an Alaska driver's license. And the cashier looked at me and just said, you're from Alaska. And I just kind of froze. I didn't really know what to say. Um, I mean, how do you explain to people in passing, you know, that, yes, I, I'm from Alaska, but I haven't been there in over a year. Um, you know, people just won't, you don't have the time to explain your life story and people kind of don't want to hear it. So a lot of it has just been biting the bullet and accepting that when you get out of your van with Alaska license plates, that people are going to kind of give you dirty looks. I'm curious. I mean, so it, it strikes me that 
van lifers sort of live on the fringes of society in even in normal times. Um, and I'm curious how dealing with this pandemic has changed your thinking about this kind of a lifestyle and, and the choices that you've made. Uh, it really does make you realize how much you live on the fringes of society, I think. And you, you go into van life knowing that. You go into the lifestyle well aware that, you know, you could be ticketed or knocked on the door by the police in a city because you're not allowed to sleep in your vehicle. Um, so there's always kind of that awareness. Um, but this has really made it very clear that society is not built for people that don't have a single home in a static location. I don't think it's necessarily discouraged us from van life in the long run, but I think it will change kind of how we go about it in the future. Um, we've talked a lot about now at least, you know, buying a little chunk of land somewhere so that if something like this were to happen again, we could have a place to go that would be ours and would be considered legal and safe to be. Uh, it's definitely kind of changed my perspective about what it means to just not have anything that the government and that society would, you know, legally deem as yours, I guess. Do you have advice for other people who live on the road who may be trying to figure out how to be socially responsible while also maintaining a lifestyle that's really important to them? Yeah, um, I think it's really important to not let this virus take away everything that's important to you. Um, I think it's important to prioritize mental health and do what's necessary to maintain that. So for us, for instance, that means climbing outside. That's a huge part of how I identify, how I release stress. And so then for a while when everyone's saying, oh, don't climb outside, blah, 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 um, that started to really weigh on me. So I think especially as restrictions are starting to slowly lift now, my recommendation is to just do those things, but really be responsible about it. You know, consider your impact everywhere that you go. Uh, if you want to go hiking somewhere, think about, is this a popular trail? Am I likely to run into a bunch of people? Or is there a nearby hike that's a lot less popular that I could do instead that would endanger fewer people? Or if you want to go climbing, try to pick a small unpopulated crag rather than these big gateway communities that you could be putting at risk. Um, I, I think that it's a delicate balance right now, but it is possible for us to be outside and travel and recreate responsibly. We just really need to be mindful and kind of consider your impact anywhere that you go. Is there sort of a an overall takeaway that that you feel like you've come up with in the last couple of months dealing with all of this? I think that compassion is super important. I've really thought a lot about me as a compassionate individual and also how people have treated me. Um, like I said, we struggle a lot with always feeling unwelcome there for a while and being the outsiders and no one wanting us and people judging us. 
And I think everybody just needs to take a step back and be a little bit more compassionate. You know, just think for a second about lifestyles that aren't your own. It's really easy right now to get kind of wrapped up in your own existence. It's, it's a really stressful time for everybody. Um, but I think we're all trying to navigate this as best we can. And we need to be respectful that people are doing that. They are doing their best for the most part. Um, so less judgment, more compassion. And I think that's a lesson that we could all take moving forward even beyond this pandemic. Well, Amber, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the chance to kind of get these feelings out there. Amber McDaniel runs a van life website called Always the Adventure. You can check it out at alwaystheadventure.com. A big thank you to all of our patrons who are making financial contributions to Out There. We know these are tough times, and we are so grateful for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, just head to our website, outtherepodcast.com, and click support. You can also send us a contribution through Venmo anytime. Just look us up at outtherepodcast. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Sheba Joseph is our audience growth director. Ben Montoya is our production intern. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. Be safe out there, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>